Everybody, thank you for joining us on this Thursday, the 25th, on Verbal Assault Livestream, a political podcast that gives you viewpoints from the left and the right. Those of us in the center have decided to host the show. I am your left-leaning independent host. I'm Marquis Devereaux, and my right-leaning host, uh, Mr. Samuel Cachera. Sam has decided to wear a wife beater today, but I don't think he's married, so I don't know who he's going to be beating. But anyway... <laughs> I'd like to go ahead and introduce some of my other hosts. Um, joining us um, from New York City is Miss Cherokee Black, who also gets visits quite frequently from her cat known as Lady Blank. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then I'd also like to introduce Mr. Brian Parker. Hello, Brian. What up? Okay. As always, we have Mr. Kirk Adair. Kirk Adair is going to, if you don't have your facts straight, he's going to get you together. Kirk Adair, how are you? Fine, how are you? You're a little faint, sir, so just make sure you're right at the microphone just in Fine, case. Fine, how are you? That's better. Fine. Okay, this, this is what happens when you get your uh, electronics from Best Buy. Damn. The worst buy. Worst five. <laughs> and then I have um, Bob from Nassau County. He is known as the anonymous conservative. Hello, Bob. Good evening. How are you? My brother, is it as hot in, in Nassau County, Long Island, as it is here in New York City? It's very hot. I actually uh, played some pickleball this morning, and it was sweltering on the courts. Okay. So right now, we don't want to talk about pickleball. We want to talk about pickles, potato salad, and maybe some ribs. At a, at, at, on a blanket. <laughs> Ribs okay, you can talk about pickleball. <laughs> You're talking about sweltering court. And then, and then Samuel Cachero, who forgot his shirt and his pants. <laughs> it's very hot. Yes, it is. I, I yeah. see. That, that's what <laughs> happens. When, <laughs> apparently, I'm not the only one without pants. That's what happens when you don't pay the bill. Now, Speaking of the bill, the bill today is Atlanta, the new Minneapolis. Um, so you just for wrong. the audience, did you what know happened? I'm did you know I'm in? No. Arnold's here. Oh, great. Rob Arnold. Much, 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 and much, to, much to Brian, uh, much to his happiness, I am here. <clears throat> okay. So Rob Arnold, a day late and a dollar short, but at least... You mean I've been here the whole time. <laughs> And right here, right in your face. I'm, I'm, having, I'm having fun with this. I just want you to know, clearly. We tend to have a little bit more fun on Thursdays and Fridays because Wednesday is always an intense show. Thursday's intense, except we're more obnoxious and Friday we just don't give a damn because the week is over. Anyway, Atlanta, the new Minneapolis, question mark. Officers um, in the Atlanta case of the African-American gentleman that fell asleep at the Wendy's drive-thru, um, who woke him up. The gentleman decided to fight back because my assumption is that he was afraid for his life. Me too. When they tried to put him in handcuffs. 
He, he grabbed the officer's taser. He started to run. The officers chased him. He tased one of the officers. Next thing we know, there are three bullets in the back. We now find that one of the officers are going to be charged as a felon. And that the second officer um, has chose not to plea or cooperate. Sam, what does this case mean to you? I, I just, you know, I just had a little bit too much to drink and I decided to pull into the Wendy's parking lot, but I, I was a little too tipsy and I didn't make it to park the space, so instead I fell asleep in drive-thru. Yeah, I think that the police community, they, uh, they're there to serve and protect. And if someone is drunk, I don't think the first order of business is to establish that he's drunk and then try to arrest him. I think they should be concerned about his health being a drunk person. Like, let's move the car to the side. You know, let's make sure that the man is okay, things like that. Um, especially in this current climate where uh, black men was arrested and put a knee on his, on his neck and then he died. I think a lot of black men, if these kind of situations will occur, are gonna be nervous about being arrested. So I think that that, that particular officer and his partner should have been a little bit more careful. And I think they should have been a, a little bit more aware and considerate to serve and protect should have meant something in that moment. He offered to walk home. He offered to walk to his sister's house. Yeah. Did okay. he? They could have even- but Just a couple of blocks away. He said, yeah. could you yeah. just drive me home? He yeah. was sleeping because he knew he was drunk. So he pulled aside and he went to sleep. He wasn't yeah. bothered, didn't commit a crime. And, 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 he did, and he did Cherokee, panic. Cherokee, Cherokee, the bottom line, shot in the back. See, yeah. that's, that's Basically, the whole Basically, that's it. Well, you know, it Charleston happens, all over again. It happens all the time. We just don't hear about it because Correct. we don't have well, okay. we, we it's going about, on forever. We hear about people getting shot in the back. Anytime I hear shot in the back, I, I automatically uh, sympathize with the family of the of the, the victim because I consider that person a victim if they're shot in the black right. in the back and they're black. Um but I, I will say that the minute somebody reaches for a taser gun is the minute it's on. He should not have done that obviously. He but was scared. I think be a Sam, black, Sam had the, be a black the, man that the police point. attempt to arrest lately they've been getting killed. And they did not say he was under arrest. They didn't even tell him he was under arrest. Yeah I didn't hear Miranda either. That's the reason why this guy's gonna go to prison. He's going to be convicted and go to prison. But Rob, they're still trying to use the defense, though, that uh, police immunity, where basically all an officer has to do is say, I had a reasonable fear for my life, so I had to use uh, lethal force. The minute somebody goes for your taser gun, you can ostensibly have fear for your life, because if he gets you with the taser, okay. your firearm, shoot you. But he ended up shot in the back. So if he <laughs> shot in the back, no matter what he did, as all far as taser... Off. You're right. Yeah, all bets are off right there. Right. Okay. Okay. The, okay. Black, the black man, as soon as you go to handcuff them, they fear for their lives as well. Now, well, now they yeah. just got to cooperate with the police. But shooting them in the back, that's it. They go to prison. Okay. Um, so Kirk Adair, he lived blocks away. Why would you say he's dead now? Uh, because he grabbed the officer's taser. Could have uh, shot him. He... Uh, According to the latest information from their body cameras, um, he, they gave him a breathalyzer test. And at the breathalyzer test, uh, 
according to this information, they said that he was drunk, and then that's when they tried to handcuff them. Um, but uh, it, it's very difficult because the thing is, he he grabbed for the taser. You know, you 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 shouldn't do that because it's can't do that. You you can't do it because it's provocatory. But the fact that he was running and they shot him in the back oh. is absolutely unacceptable. I mean, uh, there are situations, you know, where, for instance, people are trying to escape the police in Canada. They shoot them in the foot. They shoot them in the leg. That's what right. I said. Shoot them in the back. Right. You know, right. this, this, th there's training. You know, the, the, the police training has to be a lot more... Uh, effective and intensive than it is. I mean, you got a high school diploma, they, they hire you as a cop, especially if you're not a minority. I mean, this is outrageous. You know, and the, I, it's totally, totally unacceptable that they shot him in the back. There it is. Yesterday you feared for your life and you shot somebody in the back. That's outrageous. Right. Okay, what about the fact that once he was down, obviously murdered, why were they standing on his arm? Why were they standing on him? My understanding is that he was kicked. My understanding is that he was kicked three times That's on right. the ground. What is the um, And they, that they would not attempt to save his life. That's right. Cherokee, there was an interview with the officer that did that on MSNBC two days ago, and his defense was is that when he got knocked to the ground and got a concussion and his taser was taken, by the time the shots were fired into the back. He did not know who actually did the firing. So when he went over to Mr. Brooks and he saw him lying there and didn't see any blood, he didn't know if he was still a threat. So he said he put his foot on him. You know how they kind of kick you to see if you're moving? That's his, that's his defense. Okay, I want to say know he, was moving. He, didn't hear, he didn't hear the gunshots? No, he heard it, <laughs> but death? he didn't see. He said oh. he didn't see who, who did the shooting, whether it was Mr. Brooks or whether it was his, uh, well, whether it was his taser. Oh, no, no matter what, he's running away. If you shoot him in the back while he's running away, you're no. in the wrong. You're no, a I, no, I agree. I'm telling you what, okay, he's, what he just had. I know what you're saying. Lawyer said. I know yeah. you're, saying what he, you're just saying what he said. Yeah. And even That's if all that said. is true, even if all of all of that is true, and the fact that he went for the taser and all that, the minute he was running away, and if he said he had a sister three blocks away, that's it. You settle it right there. You, if they're going to take him to jail for the DUI, I understand. Right. And, the problem is, and the problem is, two bullets, Marquis, went into his back. The third bullet went into a bystander's car with his family that inside. That could have killed a baby. That that's, killed a, that's one of the charges right. that they have is because there was reckless endangerment. Right. All three bullets hit him. So I'd like to just shift a little bit. And uh, um, Bob, the anonymous conservative, the Wendy's that this took place at is burned to the ground. Absolutely we, ridiculous. We were just discussing rioting. Mm -hmm. They burned it to the ground. You say the word ridiculous, and you say that because? <laughs> because it's absolutely ridiculous to burn a, a building down because that incident occurred there. I mean, it just makes no sense. What's what's the purpose? They're just destroying the community. Uh, it's one less restaurant to to be able to have citizens go and grab a meal. It's it's penalizing the community. Right. 
we have well, laws that protect um, victims, and we have laws that take care of perpetrators. <laughs> Unless they're cops. No, no these guys are facing criminal action. Uh, they're facing legal action. Okay. Well, wait it's till they're convicted, Rob, because a lot has been accused, not convicted. One second, Brian. Let Bob finish. Go ahead. Well, I, I want to go back to the incident as to why this whole thing took place, because you characterize it with some very spotty facts and all that. You know, the fact remains is the guy, he was given a breathalyzer. My understanding is the breathalyzer was 1.1, which is above uh, DUI, it's DWI. The, the, the thing that I find uh, disturbing... But but, sir, you said DWI. That means driving while intoxicated. Yeah, Correct. there's DUI and DWI. Okay, he driving wasn't under the, driving under driving. the influence is DUI. Okay, and that's so lesser. That's like okay. being 0.08. Right. Or 0.8, whatever it is, 0.08. Well, he passed the sobriety test. Pardon? He did pass the sobriety test. Well, my understanding is he failed the breathalyzer. He failed the breathalyzer. He passed the... Follow my hands and all this other stuff. If he passed the sobriety test, he was supposed to be let go to his sister. Exactly. That's the point. Damn, Rob. Yeah. We ain't agreeing <laughs> today, are we? Hey, baby. Yeah. <laughs> this, one, this is basic common sense, but it really it is. is. And we should all be able to agree on this. But we once do. he was, what, then I don't know why they went to the breathalyzer, but as Bob was saying, it's uh, once they did that, if they're going to cuff him for, for DWI, that's right, it was intoxication, then that's when he was supposed to cooperate. But it should have never gotten to that point. If he should have said, We're going to put you under arrest. Rob, it should never have gotten to that point. No. If, if, if he passed the first, if he passed the first test, they should have backed off and said, Fine, go to your sister's, lock the car, and get, thank you. Because right. trusted him enough they to move his car. aggravated the situation. Yeah, I was just going to ask, did he move his car today? Yes. Brian, you're saying they he did. did. He did. No, they he, moved car. he moved his they car. Oh, then that's it right there. Exactly. exactly. He had a 45-minute conversation with these guys. Both and of them said he was fight. just as respectful as he could be. Correct. Right. He wasn't they aggressive or anything. respectful. I agree. Then, 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 these so this guy, wasn't, this guy wasn't giving you any heat and everything? Unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. See, so, this, these cops give all cops a bad name. They're a very small percentage of the total. They're rogue cops, basically. But when it happens, it should upset every one of us deep in our souls. That's a lot more Bob, Bob says that some of my facts are spotty, but what's not spotty is that Georgia has a reputation for extinguishing those of African descent under certain circumstances. Do you know oh, that, because that because those cops were arrested that yesterday... Georgia police did not report to work. Right. They called out In protest. In yeah. protest. They called out they, they, they should protest in certain situations. Damn sure not here. No, well, well they, they did. They protest because you can't out. execute black people anymore. Marquis, the point uh, Well, they're mad. Right. Hold on, guys. Bob has a point. To they're make. mad now. They can't okay, but Bob has a point to make. Bob, go ahead. The point I was making, you you said that they didn't read him as Miranda rights. You You don't give someone the Miranda rights until you... Arrest them and have them in cuffs. Okay, okay he, they were putting they were in cuffs. Attempt. It happened at that point. My point is, they never got the cuffs on him because he resisted arrest and then assaulted the cops. But Bob, okay. here's, That's here's where the everything point. went bad. It went bad. Here's the key question here. Here's the key question here. It's almost um, as if they were baiting him. Okay. Here's Thank the key you. question. Why is it that we don't have community policing? 
everyone is protesting, not everyone, but people are protesting saying defund the police. Mm -hmm. If we had community officers, we, used we to. would have people that had relationships with members of the community. We know yes. who you are. We know where you live. You've had a little bit too much to drink. I, I mean, I'm going to get personal here. I'm part Irish American. I have had days where I've drunk a little too much. Rob is Irish American. And you know what? We enjoy having a beer or an extra libation. Does that mean that we should have three bullets in the back as an end result? Somehow, when I was growing up, we had community policing. The All the cops knew all the kids, all the families. You know, if you cut school, you knew that, that police officer Flaherty, that was his name, was going to tell on you. So you were very careful not to run in it. We had that. I don't know what happened. I'd like to Wait, wait a minute, uh, Cherokee. We do have that to some extent here on the Upper West Side. I was actually offered to do that. Um, You're talking to a very restricted we're area. About black, we're talking about black neighborhoods now. Well, no, I'm saying, and, and, and okay, I have to, finish. and I have yeah, to, you have to, you have to let me finish the point though. I have, I wasn't raised in a black neighborhood, so maybe that doesn't happen in those neighborhoods, but it should. I'm just saying that's how I was raised. Okay, what I'm Rob, saying. Rob, finish is, your point, and then I need to jump to Samuel and Kurt. What, what we're speaking of here, and a Cherokee saying has always been the case since he was growing up, community policing, which you brought up, Marquis, um, does happen. I'm going to say here on the Upper West Side and here, there, and everywhere, to whatever degree, I'm going to say that we need to take that model and expand and expound on it, and we need to have a lot more community policing. Mm -hmm. and, and yes, including you go into black neighborhoods. And how about this one? How about some rich white guy goes into a black neighborhood with a giant truck loaded with shiny new bicycles for all the poor black kids? How about we start doing positive things like that, um, all of us? Well, well, I don't think anyone here, you know, and, and I'm going to say this as an independent, and I've said this on my webisode before, no one needs a handout. What we need- not about a handout. That's not about a handout, Marquis. That's about an act of kindness. Okay, it would, that's it relevant, would, but we need equality. <laughs> okay, but but I'll tell you what a better act of kindness, a better <laughs> act of kindness, a better act of kindness is, is that if I'm intoxicated, do me a favor, ask me where I live, call a family member, and allow me to have someone come and pick me up if 100%. I'm unable to walk. Okay, um, it, it it I'm asking this question because. We have the protests that are going on, not just nationwide, but globally. People are in agreement that what they saw in Minnesota was egregious. Now we're seeing a situation play out. And again, there's a camera present, so we don't know what happens when the camera's not present. But we now see that a situation that probably could have been handled differently Ended up with three bullets in the back. Now, I don't know about you guys. You know, I work in media here. I, I'm, I'm getting tired of talking about bullets in the back. I, I yeah, don't know. Kirkadair, uh, 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 could you give me some situation that you might know or some crime that you may have heard of in the UK where someone might get a bullet in the back? Well, the police in, in the UK when I was growing up, nobody was armed. The police are not armed and they're in the neighborhoods. And they know, they, they know everybody who is anybody. And if you're drunk, generally, um, I mean, they're, they're in the, uh, the situation where they'd walk you home. Now, the, the, it's, it's gotten a little bit worse 
because what they've done in the UK is they've taken the page out of the American book and they started to militarize the police. Right. Up until the, the point where the Iranian embassy was stormed by the SAS, the police themselves were not armed. There were no, there were, the police are simply not armed. And, the, and it requires a three-year or to four-year training with a degree. You're not hired straight away out of the secondary school. Um, and it, right. it, it's a more professional attitude. I mean, here it's like, you know, the Wild West. You know, you come out of high school, they give you a gun, they put you, give you a badge. Uh, and you're on duty. And the idea is, it's a very interesting idea, that the police are there to enforce the laws, whereas now here they think they're to make the laws. That is not the situation. They are here to enforce, you know, um, the, the motto on the side of the cop cars is, 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 is so annoying. It's like there are no police in the First of all, they're militarized. Courtesy, professionalism, and respect. They're not in the neighborhoods. <coughs> in cars. Okay. Yeah, you know what? They're making it up as they go in certain situations. And frankly, let's be honest here, the situations where they make it up as, as they go are going to be more often with black men involved. There's no doubt about that. You Samuel know, Cachero. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Give me, give me a moment. Samuel Cachero, you've lived in China. You've lived in Australia. And I don't know where else you've lived, but I do know that you're born in the Bronx. The Bronx is known to be uh, part of one of the poorest congressional districts in the United States, and at times it's been considered the poorest. Policing happens differently in the Bronx. Yes. Can you, can you give us uh, some background of your experience as a man of color? I don't know what age you, you moved from the Bronx and went international on your world tour, but... Mm -hmm. um, Maybe you could give us some insight. Actually, I can't. Um, I was always a good kid growing up, so I never had much interaction with police at all. Um, I no profiling, no me, questions, me no stop and frisk. No, nah, me growing up, uh, I, was, I was pretty much apart from the police. I was too scared. I was introverted. I was always, um, I was a loner when I was a kid growing up. So I didn't have any interactions with, with police or with people, with a lot of people. Well, yeah. So I, well, I, I, I do believe that what Sam just said touches on something very important here. If you, if you don't um, interact with the police, get aggressive, sass, talk back, get crazy, get aggressive. If you don't do that, your chances of being injured in any way or shot uh, are, are much less than if you do do that because the police, they're up against it. And they don't know who you are. And as far as they know, you have a knife, a gun. They don't, you know, so they're only human. They're only human. So okay. I guess what we're looking at here is the difference between making mistakes, because we all do, and having something inside of you that would actually cause you to shoot Robin, someone. I'm, Rob, I'm going to stop you. You've glossed over it, and I'm going to stop you. you no, I gave the, the, the juxtaposition. I want to go back. Samuel said the word fear. I need to know what were you afraid of? People. The audience would no, like no. to know what were you afraid of in the Bronx as a male of color? No, no. <clears throat> I grew up introverted. Yes. I was, I was quiet. Yeah, I was, I, was a, I was a loner. But you said the word fear. Well, of people. I, guess I, was, I guess my fear was always um, if I disrespected someone, what would be the end result? It might not be something I wanted. So, okay. so it was a safety I was, issue. 
yeah, it was more safety. It was I was more in my own shell. Back Were you then. bullied? Were you bullied growing up? Because I have a friend that was born and raised in the Bronx, and he was a nerd. He was bullied. I wasn't bullied. Okay. I wasn't bullied. I was just always. I hated. I hated confrontation, and and yeah, especially. Right. Well, right. I'm gonna pull, I'm gonna pull well, back, and then I'm gonna that. go to Rob right quick here. I'm gonna go to Rob, and then um, Bob from NASA. Um, the reason why Rob, I focus on the word fear, is because. <laughs> Oftentimes, officers in these situations will say, I feared for my life. Right. Uh, um, I, as an African-American male, used to have nightmares about the police. I mm. still do. I'm mm. 53. I still do. Um, my, I, I speak, I, one of my ways that I get through that is that I speak to officers and I acknowledge them. You know, have a blessed day. How are you, gentlemen? How are you, ma'am? You know, and right. I keep it moving. Right. And I also make it clear that when they approach me because I look younger than my age, <coughs> that I'm someone that's more educated than, than, what, than what they may assume, and that I'm someone who, who can speak for themselves and can advocate. So the reason why I want to focus on this fear is because the officers always say, I feared for my life, and then someone's dead. Right. That's their defense. But blue lives matter. Right. Yeah, I got, who, to tell you, I got something to tell you to that. And who, who fears, you want me to <laughs> not just yet, who fears <laughs> for the citizen, those young black males who were stopped and frisked and have traumatic incidents like the, uh, like the young man who was stopped at Yale University for looking for a dorm, like the woman who was woken up sleeping because she was falling asleep in her dorm before a trip to Nigeria, she was tired from her studies, or barbecuing in the park, or the man who wanted to bird watch and suddenly someone gets on the phone and calls the police. That incites fear. So Rob, you wanted to reply. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, first off, let me say, in uh, grade school, I was always the smartest, best-looking boy, and I was bullied crazy. I didn't have a father, so I was bullied. But I always had the pretty girl, so I was always happy. But you said you grew up in a black neighborhood. No, no. I was in the projects for one year in my childhood. Oh, um, so in the black project? I've spent a considerable amount of time in black neighborhoods doing what I do, you know, um, uh, dropping wisdom in there, getting wisdom in there. You know, back when it was bed, stye, do or die, you know, and I was there for um, for six months boxing the Mark Breland gym. I spent a lot of time with the brothers and we had we had some really great conversations. So I have spent people dropping the wisdom. I have saying. Yeah. Well, there was a lot of wisdom all the way around. I, I think okay. as, as a white uh, guy um, who looks like I do, you know, like I, I don't look all haggard. I don't, I don't have like, you know, tattoos. Choosing for the world and you know bandanas with skull and crossbones. Um, I think as a white man, I've spent more time with with the brothers than than, than most white men. I, but I was bullied right up until I knocked the motherfucker out. You know, that was in the seventh grade. There was a, this one guy who kept bullying me, and I just kept taking it. I'll tell you one quick one. I'm sitting on the bus. He's in the seat behind me. He ripped a piece of tape off. There was a the masking tape, or rather, a duct tape on the thing on the back of the seat. He took it, spat on it, and put it on my forehead. And that was when I was infuriated, but I didn't know how to fight. I didn't think I knew how to fight. And then about two days later, he messed with me and I beat the shit out of him. Okay, so and do you fear black men? I don't fear anything, any man. Do um, black men fear you? 
No, I see this goes, this, this is why I told you that my background of, of when, when I went ahead and, and, and beat the hell out of him from that point forward, I could never be bullied again because I knew I'm not, I know how to hit and I can take a punch. I learned so somehow that. A beat, so and, somehow and in order to establish that a beating was involved. White men. What's that? It's somehow to establish that relationship, a beating was involved. Am I to understand that? Well, I had to. And then from that, but that's what I'm saying is at some point you got to fight back or you're just going to be bullied for the rest of your life. I always face oh. down the bully now. And that's whether he's white, black or otherwise. But, so let's focus, let's focus on that for a second. Right, that's where I'm going. Somehow, yeah. somehow you have to fight back or right. you will constantly be bullied. Right. In the black communities that I have spoken to, many people feel bullied by the police. How ah, should they, one second, please. How should they fight back? Bob, the conservative, I'd like your, your take on well, this. Can I, please. Well, well, we I'm going to let you finish in a second, Rob. I'm going to jump the ball. I'm going to jump to Bob here. Go ahead. Well, I, my answer would be to to be respectful to the police, even if you've known you've known you've done nothing wrong. Just be respectful and don't you know don't push back or escalate. And I, it doesn't matter if you're black or white. I would say that you know for anyone, just right. be respectful. Whatever the police ask you to do, give them whatever they need, and and hopefully the situation will. You know, if, if you're innocent of everything, it'll smooth over and you'll be... Hold on, Rob. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you again. I'm going to bring Brian Parker in because so far, I've had most of the Caucasian males give a lot of opinion here. And, and, and Brian Parker, um, you are from the South and you live up North and you're dark skin. You're darker than me. You're darker than Samuel. What is, your, what is an interaction with the police like for you? A lot of anxiety. Why? What are you afraid of? I mean, when your parents have to basically prepare you for what to do when you're around the police it's as a hard. child, um, just so that there's a good chance that you make it home at night. Um, when, when somebody's already having to instill something inside of you. You're talking about having the conversation? The conversation. Then when, whenever, even if the blue lights aren't on behind you, when the cop is behind, and it still happens to me now, the cop can pull behind me, I know I'm going to speed limit, and I still tense up. In a car. So do In I. So huh? do we all. So do we all, though, Brian. But, but Rob Smith, do you Rob. think yeah, but the experience, experience might be different? Rob Smith. Who the hell is Rob Smith? Forgive, forgive me, senior moment. Rob Arnold, do you feel that Brian Parker's experience may be different than your own? Yes, and it, it would almost have to be. And and then what I would I would I would add, let's say Brian and I are in the same car together and that police car is behind us. We both then have whatever to do whatever degree, everybody has a bit of a tense up when there's a police car behind them. Everybody pretty much does. Doesn't matter if you're But the anxiety's not the same apparently. It's it's yeah. not gonna be the same because Brian had his life's experiences, which would be different from mine, but it's a white man and a black man together, which I've been in that situation many times, where the police pull us over or whatever, and there's a white man and a black man in the car. Now, what are you going to do? What, what do you got here? And I have seen that. Tell the white man the to police, do all the talking. Black, well, if it's me, yeah, because. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, for real. But I, I, I say, Rob, I need you to do all the talking. Right. right. I, I get that. Well, it would be the driver I, doing I the talking. Well, Bob. Would be the I've, absolutely seen, I've absolutely seen that the police 
treat the black man differently than this white man when they pull us over together. There's a different approach. There's no doubt about that. And I wonder exactly where that's coming from. I'm not going to say automatically. Because you're, 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 you're my validation, Rob. You give me credibility. By myself, by myself, I'm looked at as an animal. But if Let you're with me, then I'm not a, uh, a loose animal. You may okay. be oddball question. Oddball question here, and then I'm going to let Samuel ask some questions. Um, Cherokee Black, have you ever seen the movie Driving Miss Daisy? Mm. <laughs> yes. And what do you remember from the movie? I remember that she was a, a racist old lady, and he was her driver. And um, <laughs> but how could she yes. be racist if she hired him? Power job, honey. Because back in the day. Black people could only get certain jobs, at, like the same with the mammy. Uh, yep. We were just, my grandmother was a domestic because that was the only job she could get as a black woman. To mm -hmm. be clear, in those days, he got the job because he was black, and that was the only job he could get. That and being a baggage man at the railroad. Got that's it. Or yeah. yeah. Okay, that's history. So that's how we got the job. Okay. Now. now what? For, for, <laughs> for the audience, for the audience in the movie, over him. okay, if I may, for the yeah. audience in the movie, uh, Miss Daisy is Jewish and, uh, and the gentleman is African-American and he's also illiterate and she teaches him English because he can't read the gravestones. Right. So Cherokee Black, I'd like to ask you, have you ever had the conversation with your son? Yes. And, 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 um, I've had the conversation with my, my son and my grandchildren. They're lighter skin, but still it could happen. So yes, I've had the conversation. We're people of color. You have to. Samuel Kachera, has anyone ever had the conversation with you? No. Everything, everything was just a learned experience as I went along. I don't recall my mother having the conversation with my brother, though, back in the day. We didn't do those conversations then. It's, it, uh, it's gotten progressively worse. Okay. Is, is your brother still alive, Cherokee? No, he was murdered, actually, in 1981. Oh, jeez. Uh, and, 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 and he, he was stabbed in his heart by a white guy, by the way. But that's oh, another story. Oh, my goodness. Story. I'm so sorry. That's I didn't another, realize... No, it's another story. It's okay. He was a—he uh, was actually in the police academy. He was a correctional officer. He studied. Oh. Um, he studied um, criminal justice in school. And stop! 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 Everybody! Stop! Everybody! Stop! Everybody! Stop! Everybody! Stop! I want to focus on what Cherokee is saying because this is the first time she has stated this to me. You said your brother was training for the police. Academy as a corrections officer. Am I correct? He was a correctional officer. He, he studied criminal justice in school and he was going through the various ranks of policing. He was on his way to like take the test for like the CIA or the. Or and you said and that he, he, was a, he was a correctional officer. He worked in Greenhaven and Fishkill and um, he was in the police academy. He actually took the test and was number two in the class. That was when the test was hard. Now it's very, very easy. Anybody can be a cop. Okay. 1982. So you're, you're telling us that he was stabbed by a person of European descent. Is that correct? Yes, the boy was Italian. Yes, that's a horrible I'm quiet. I'm quiet because I'm silenced. I'm going to... 
I'm going to acquiesce to Samuel. Samuel, the boy I was at, also. I, I have to. I have to say something. The uh, the the boy, even though there were eyewitnesses and evidence and stuff, he was never indicted because his father um, had connections to the mob. That's a true story too. Wow. So the person was still free because he was white and he was connected. no because he was mobbed up. He was mobbed up. Yes, and and the, the assistant DA at the time, which was Brown who retired recently and then died, he was the assistant DA, and he was complicit with them. That whole thing so, is just... So we're, we're, we're talking about the mob. We're talking about violence. And the I mob... opened the case recently, by the way, too. And oh, good. The, the new assistant DA was working with me, and it was going to be a cold case. And before Brown retired, he shut it down. Well, um, Samuel, which, what, 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 are you, what are you thinking here? You're quiet? Little listen. I'm I'm listening to all of this, and, and my mind is still going back to why do people with why do people want to defund the police? Oh, right. I don't think it should be defunded. I think it needs to be uh, it needs to be done. I, I, can, I, I can answer that, Sam. Go ahead. They're they're using I, honestly. I think they're using the wrong word. Right. And it, it sounds stupid because some people are going to take that as you're just trying to abolish something. I think what they're really trying to say is is that a lot of funds that are given to police need to be allocated other places. What, they're saying, what, what, they're, saying, what they're saying is, is that we should not be militarizing the police. Um, what they're saying is that police should not be involved in things that social workers should be involved in. It doesn't mean like Dump said like last night that when 911 rings, there's nobody point. there. That's a damn good point. Now, now Bob from Nassau, that. did you want to add something into this? Bobby? You know, just getting back to, uh, you know, the training and all that, I don't think you want to pull funds away from police training. I think we need additional funds put into police training, specifically with race relations. Right. Okay. So it's Kirk not going towards that. It's Kirk, going to military stuff. Kirk Adair used the word militarization when it comes to the police. So the last time I checked, military equipment was very, very expensive and a large part of the budget of the United States. What would happen, Kirk Adair, if we were to reformat or reformulate the budget in New York City, of New York State, we have nine million people, metropolitan 14 million, and we're taking one billion and diverting it away from the police department and putting it to youth programs. What would happen, Kirk Adair, in your opinion, if we did this in every major city in the U.S.? What, what do you think the outcome would be? First of all, I think that would be outstanding. I think it would be a major improvement uh, across the board, and also the uh, uh, reallocating the funds, as one of our colleagues said. Because quite frankly, all this, all this military equipment that was used in Iraq has been brought back, the vests, the helmets, the guns, the tanks, the MVs, all this shit has can't come back and they've been militarizing the police with it. Right. Uh, uh, this, this is a total misspent, this is funds totally being misspent, um, misappropriated for the wrong agenda, for the wrong way to look at the situation. It's been it, it militarizing and, and pushing a, a fascist agenda where this is totally unnecessary to, against everybody's best interests. You know, it's, it's against the, the people in the neighborhoods. It's against the American public. It's against- What's the, the answer, Kirk? Rights. 
It's absolutely outrageous. What's the answer? What's better? What? He I'm said asking. it would be a good idea to reformulate these budgets. He's he, yeah. the, the, To where? To whom? Reformulate the budget to to community development projects to to community projects where the police are in, in you know interact with the kids um, uh, youth budgets you know you don't need all this goddamn military equipment that's the military right. industrial that's crap that's to protect, is is to protect and serve not to sit there and intimidate your ass right yeah. Absolutely. Samuel, let, let me go to you for a second. You went to school in the Bronx. Did you have school safety officers? I believe so, yeah. You did? I believe so. I can't. I think I think I did. I think we did. I, I forgot about <laughs> high school. Okay. Now yeah, I want to Maybe. I want to explain to everyone that I went to school in Massachusetts and that Samuel went to school in New York. In Massachusetts, we had matrons, and these were people that monitored the halls to make sure that you got to class on time. I don't recall seeing handcuffs. I don't recall seeing batons. I don't recall seeing metal detectors. Now, uh, point of clarification, the year that I left middle school, a metal detector was put into my middle school. The year I went to high school was 1981. Samuel, did you, do you recall having any interaction while you were in school with a safety officer? No. No. So hey, I, I guess I, my question is, sure, give me a second, Rob. I guess my question is for the panel, what role do the police serve in being in public education? Okay, I, 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 have, I have something I'd like to drop into this. Uh, this, this Go for it. Narrative, and then that'll go to what your question is, I think. Back when I was a little boy, age eight, I believe, um, we had the Tylenol... Just last week. <laughs> the Tylenol um, cyanide thing. Now, up until that point, it would have been unthinkable that we would have had to put safety seals on everything. Nothing had safety seals. It was right. a much... There was none of that. Then Tylenol happened. Cyanide, and it was eight people dead. From that point forward, everything became safety sealed. Now, I'm going to say that today, this many years later, say 40 years later, four decades later, just a lousy four decades, if you didn't have safety seals on everything, what happened that day with that, at that time with that Tylenol scare with the cyanide would happen pretty much every day. Somewhere along the line, the human race went very wrong, very bad, went in a very bad direction. You can't possibly conceive of not having safety bills today. Again, before that, you couldn't conceive that you would need them. So somewhere along the line, our species itself has gone a very bad direction. And then that plays into all kinds of issues, not the least of which race. So it's, you're, you're talking about uh, metal detectors at school. Well, no, I'm asking about police. I'm actually asking about police and education. Well, police, education with metal detectors and all the rest in the schools. In those schools, it isn't like it was 40 years ago because those, those guns, those um, metal detectors, that's all the safety seals. 
Somewhere we went wrong, and it's, it's covered all aspects of human life, of our existence. So okay, I'm going to thank you, Rob. The narrative fits. We have five minutes, and I'm going to do a quick summation. Rob Arnold talks about safety seals. Yep. Brian Parker talks about anxiety. And Kirk Adair mentions the militarization of the police force. Here in the United States, we have what is known as the Second Amendment. This is the right to bear arms. And the right to bear arms is sort of like our safety seal for us Americans because some of us don't feel safe in our homes and some of us don't feel safe walking the streets. We're also known to be a Christian nation. And being a Christian nation, it's supposed to be about the teachings of Jesus Christ. Not everybody's Christian anymore in America. What is contradictory for me as the host of this show is how we defend the Second Amendment and the right to bear arms and war, 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 and everything seems to involve a gun. Yet, we talk about America and we talk about being able to connect. I find it real hard to give someone a hug if you have a gun in your holster. No, I I also, I, I, if I may, I also find it difficult to connect with someone when you have a gun in their face. So I just like the audience to think about the fact of how are you able to connect when you're living in constant fear? Removing fear means opening up understanding and being able to connect. And right now it sounds like we need a connection. And that's what we do here in Verbal Assault live stream. Though we may not always agree, we certainly get our points across and we're passionate and we do debate. We appreciate having you as an audience. Now listen, if you guys support what we're doing, we'd love you to contribute to one of our anchor platforms, um, Spotify. Uh, we're also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and 11 other platforms, including SoundCloud, which makes it 12. We're also viewed on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. We're listener-supported. We're not bought by anyone. So these are honest points of view. We're not supported by Merck. We're not supported by the pharmaceutical industry. We're not supported by big banks. We are supported by coming here each day and bringing you our version of the truth. Hopefully it's unbiased and sometimes it's not. I thank you. I'm Marky Devereaux. I'm your host of Verbal Assault Livestream. And tomorrow, Russian fighter jets off the coast of Alaska and the Putin curse. We hope that you will tune in tomorrow, Friday the 26th. I thank you for listening and watching. Um,